0: Welcome to the Eric
1: Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show nationwide. Marco Rubio joins me at the bottom of this hour. You can join me by phone, 877-973-7425, should you want. I want to tell you about a national story that is giving Democrats serious heartburn. And it is taking place in Georgia. And the pattern is starting to develop around the nation as early voting totals come in. For those of you not in Georgia, and actually for a lot of you in Georgia, some of this isn't going to make a lot of sense for you until I explain it to you. I want to give you the top 10 Georgia counties for early voting turnout based on the percentage of registered voters. Now, you should know that uh, the biggest counties for turnout in Georgia are Democratic counties in metro Atlanta, DeKalb, Fulton, Cobb, Gwinnett. They're turning out in huge numbers right now. But in terms of percentage of votes, it's different. Let me give you the top 10. Green County, 26% of registered voters have already turned out to vote. Towns County. 25% have already turned out to vote. Rabin County, 24% have already turned out to vote. Oconee County, 23% have already turned out to vote. Union County, 21% have already turned out to vote. Tollifer County, for those of you out of Georgia, you said Taliaferro, it's Tollifer County, 21%. Butts County, 21%. Fayette County, 20%. Putnam County, 20%. Dawson County, 19%. With the exception of Tollifer County, 21% of registered voters have already turned out to vote. All of these are Republican counties. Green County is Lake Country, so is Putnam County, that's Lake Country. 26% of Green, 20% of Putnam, that's Lake Oconee, Lake Sinclair, to the east of Atlanta, Green County in particular, high-income Republican voters live out there at Reynolds. Used to be Reynolds Plantation. They don't say plantation anymore, but I still say Reynolds Plantation. Uh, so there's a big Ritz-Carlton out there, big lake homes. Towns in Rabin County, up in the north Georgia mountains. Rabin County is one of my favorite counties in the state of Georgia. It is where Clayton, Georgia is on Lake, uh, lake Burton. One day, I want a mountain home up there on the lake. They're for sale. There's one for sale. It's $7 million. I cannot afford it. I would love it, but I can't afford it. One day, maybe, if radio works out. These are where the percentage of registered voters, 26% of them have turned out in Greene County and Rabin County. A quarter, Towns County, a quarter of the voters have already turned out. What's notable about these is that these are areas that underperformed in 2020. They are highly Republican. They're small. Tollifor County is the only one on this list that went for Joe Biden. It's very small. A uh, leg humper for the Democrats would tell you that there are more waffle houses than there are voters in Tollifor County. That's That's a distraction though. We're talking about the percentage of registered voters. And for the percentage of registered voters in these counties and Tollifers a swing County in Georgia, you got more than a quarter of the voters have already turned out. And that didn't happen in 2020. It sure as heck did not happen in the runoff in 2021 in Georgia. But now you need to look at the ones that aren't turning out. The Democrats have strongholds outside of the metro Atlanta area. Clark County. In My uh, original syndication station, WGAU in Athens, Georgia, is in Clark County. Clark County is home of the University of Georgia. It's where Brian Kemp is from, and it was a long time ago, a Republican area of the state. It has become very liberal. It is very white, well-to-do, and liberal. If you were to see a surge of voters because of abortion, you would see it in Clark County. Clark County is neighbored to Oconee County. Oconee County is the Republican yin to the Clark County yang. Oconee County, a quarter of the voters have already turned out to vote. Clark County, the progressive hotbed of white elite academics, is the third worst performing state in Georgia for turnout right now. But wait, there's more. Out in East Georgia, there are two counties, Columbia County and Richmond County. The yin and the yang to each other. Columbia is where the white voters fled when Richmond County became overwhelmingly black and Democrat in the 70s. Richmond County is Augusta, Georgia, home to Augusta National. One day I'm going to the Masters. One day I want to play that golf course. Richmond County is very Democrat. Columbia County, very Republican. They tend to match each other voter for voter. But Richmond County is one of the worst performing counties in the state of Georgia right now. Columbia County has seen two times as many registered voters turn out right now. In terms of percentage of registered voters, Columbia County is outpacing Richmond County three to one. And then there's where I live, Bibb County, middle of Georgia. It is the geographic center of the state of Georgia. It's where the first baptism in North America was performed. And Bibb County is a Democratic hotspot. I live on the northern end of the county. It is very Republican, but the bulk of the county is pretty Democrat. It is next to Houston County. Houston County is the center of the GOP universe in Georgia. Houston County is a military base. It's a very big county. It is very, very Republican. To it, it offsets Bibb County. If you're drawing a congressional district, you put Houston and Bibb together, there are more Republicans in Houston than there are Democrats in Bibb, and they neutralize each other and give the Republicans an advantage. Houston County has seen two times as many votes as Bibb County. Bibb County is the sixth worst-performing state uh, county in Georgia right now in terms of percentage of voters voting. Houston County is coming in two times as many. So the Republican strongholds in Georgia are turning out in early voting. The Democratic strongholds are not. Now what's so notable about this, and this is where this becomes a national story. We're beginning to see this play out nationally, where Republicans who are skeptical of early voting are showing up and Democrats are not. Typically in Georgia and nationwide, At this point, Democrats dominate early voting. It's not happening. It's not happening. Republicans are holding their own and then some. The Democrats and their friends in the media will tell you, well, but these are small counties turning out. These are are not significant. The Democratic counties are dominating. It's true. The Democratic counties, number for number, are always going to dominate early voting because Democrats turn out more than Republicans. But right now, when you look at the people who vote by primary, who are turning out in the general election, around the country, we're seeing something very similar. Republicans are at parity with Democrats. Two weeks from the election, we are less now than 14 days from the election, 13 days. This does not happen usually. And now in some parts of the country, what we're seeing, including in Georgia, is Democrats saying, well, that just means the Democrats will turn out on Election Day. When you go to the grocery store, do you buy the same brand every time? If you're a Duke's mayonnaise person, do you ever go buy Blue Plate or Hellman's? If you're a Hellman's mayonnaise fan, do you ever go buy Blue Plate or Duke's? I don't know anybody who buys buys Blue Plate, but clearly there are people who buy Blue Plate. Do you buy Dukes? Do you buy Hellman's? When you go buy ketchup, you're a Heinz or you're a Hunts person. My wife is a Hunts person. I'm a Heinz person. Heinz has more flavor. Hunts is, I don't like it. But when you buy, if you're a Hunts ketchup person, do you buy Heinz? You're more likely to buy Heinz if you're a Hunts person than you are to buy Hunts if you're a Heinz person. If you're a Duke's mayonnaise person, you don't buy other mayonnaise. You buy Duke's, if you can't find Duke's, you might buy Hellman's, you will not buy Blue Plate. If you're a Charmin toilet paper brand, you don't buy Angel Soft, you might buy Northern, but you like, you only want Charmin. If you're a Northern toilet paper brand, you don't buy Angel, you don't buy Charmin. People have brands. And when people go to the grocery store, they shop those brands and they have patterns of shopping. Do you shop on the weekend? Do you shop on the weekday? The worst thing to ever happen to my family is we got a Publix grocery store that came in right outside our neighborhood. We just go to where well, I'm at the grocery store every day. If you, wanna, you ever want to see me just hang out at the local grocery store near my house? You will see me. I guarantee you I will be there at least four or five days a week. There are some friends of mine, I only see them at the grocery store. We're in the same boat. We don't do grocery lists anymore. We need something. we just show up. It's what we do, but we always buy the same brands. The same thing with voters. If you're an early voter, you vote early. If you're an election day voter, you vote election day. You pridefully vote election day. You stand in line, come hell or high water, and oftentimes it's high water, very rarely is it hell, and you stand there and you sweat or you freeze, you get wet, but just do it because your pattern is you buy the early voting or you buy the day of voting you buy the hellmans you buy the hunts you buy the hines you buy the dukes you're a pattern voter you're a pattern shopper you're with a brand and if your brand is early voting you go to early voting if your brand is election day voting you go to election day you don't change your pattern you don't change your preference you're not the heinz guy who decides well i think today i'm going to try hunts no If you're the early voting guy, you've got your absentee ballot or you're in line early. You're not going to election day voting. And so for Democrats to console themselves and say, well, this year, by God, we're going to vote on election day. Voters don't operate that way any more than shoppers switch brands regularly. Democrats vote early. Republicans vote on election day. For Democrats to console themselves and say, well, actually, we're going to show up on election. No, the hell you're not. You're just not showing up. And the data is showing Democrats are not showing up in the way they normally show up. This again, now you see we're into early voting around the country. We are two weeks from the election. We're less than two weeks from the election. And we can begin to take the real-world data we're seeing on the ground and apply it to the polls. There are two polls that have come out today. That have big Democratic leads in the generic ballot. Yesterday, the Republicans were up three on the generic ballot. Today, they're up one point nine. Why? Because in an Economist YouGov poll of a thousand one hundred fourteen likely voters, the Democrats are up four. Political Morning Consult two thousand five registered voters. It's an online poll. The Democrats are back up to five. The Democrats have been up five reliably in the Political Morning Consult poll since May. With very little deviation, every other poll that has come out has the Republicans now in the lead. The Democracy Corps, Democratic polling firm, has Republicans up two. Emerson, Republicans up five. Rasmussen, Republicans up four. NBC News, Republicans up one. Monmouth University, Republicans up six. CNBC, Republicans up two. CBS, Republicans up two. Harvard-Harris, Republicans up six. The Democrats are trying to console themselves with these two polls that more and more appear to be anomalies. And this is why we now can say they are anomalies, because we're looking at what's happening on the ground with early voting. We're looking at the polling data. There is no counter wave from the Democrats building. It is not there. It is not there in Nevada. It is not there in Arizona. It is not there in Georgia. It is not there in Wisconsin. It is not there in Ohio. It is not there in Pennsylvania. It is not there in the state of New York. It's not there in Florida. It's not there in Texas. Early voting should be seeing a massive surge of Democrats. It's not. This is why Democrats are starting to fret. To see John Fetterman last night, early voting's been steady and dominant with Democrats in Pennsylvania. I suspect that's about to change, given the debate last night. And in Georgia, Stacey Abrams told everyone, guys, don't worry about it. I got it. I got the early voting. I I got the turnout machine. They saw her in 2018, and they put all their hopes on Stacey Abrams. There are Democrats today in Georgia. I am reliably informed by Democrats who are trying to round up 15 passenger vans to start driving people to the polls because the Abrams campaign promised to do it, and they're not doing it. This is not gonna end well for the Democrats if the trends keep up. They have time to turn out their voters. They do. They have time to turn out their voters. Just we're watching the data build in real time right now. And that turnout isn't happening. They've still got time, they've got a week. But it doesn't seem like they're doing it. And the fact in Georgia that they're now scrambling around trying to get people to the polls because they assumed Abrams would do it and she didn't. And she's pulling money off TV that was designed to try to encourage people to go vote. She's yanking that money off TV. In Georgia, that's really, really bad. But that's playing out in scenarios time and time again nationwide. While the White House has the president bunkered there talking about first-class travel being racist. It's not really the message to get voters to the polls, is it? I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington, we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org. Hello there, welcome. Marco Rubio joins me at the bottom of this hour. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Zach's been waiting patiently. Welcome to the show, Zach. How are you?
0: Great, Eric. How are you? Good. What's going on? Got a quick question. So I've been following politics for a while, grew up under Reagan. But my question is, in the last few election cycles, I've noticed the caliber of candidates has diminished on both sides of the political spectrum. Will we ever be able to get a viable third-party candidate, or will we be forever stuck with Republicans and Democrats?
1: Oh, I I think that we're probably stuck with the two major parties, uh, because while they hate each other, they love their duopoly. So the parties collaborate typically together to block other parties from having access. Some states, uh, third parties, have some access. But nationally, it becomes very hard because campaign finance rules favor the Democratic and Republican parties together. Uh, Ballot access rules favor the Democrats and Republicans together. Uh, The Republicans and Democrats have bigger machines. It takes a billionaire to build a third party. That's why the last major third party movement in this country was run by Ross Perot. Uh, You could add Andrew Yang there, I guess, but also had the money to be able to help fund it. But really, Ross Perot in the 1990s was able to get competitively Uh, on the ballot and on the debate stage as a presidential contender because he had the money to fund the signature collection efforts in the 50 states, and the Democrats and Republicans fought him tooth and nail. And he helped Bill Clinton beat George H.W. Bush. Um, So I don't know that we will ever see uh, a real third party. Uh, Back to the phones. Chip, you're going to be the last call. Welcome. Hey,
0: Chip. Hey. Eric. Yeah. Yes. Hey, uh, Eric, I got a question. Um, as we're getting down to the last thirteen days, I wonder why none of the Republicans have thought about the fact that if they promised that as soon as they were elected, like in January when everybody took over, there'd be a deep dive into the fact of the baby formula shortage that we yeah, are having look, in our country now.
1: We're still having it. Uh, it's a pretty big deal and I'm surprised the GOP hasn't actually made this a roundout issue. Maybe they will in the last week. Uh, why are we still having a baby formula shortage? Cause we are, if you don't use baby formula, you may not be aware of it, but I hear this from moms a lot who uh, email me and I got a lot of friends who are relying on baby formula and there's still a shortage. I might ask Marco Rubio about this issue when he joins me after the bottom of the hour. I do want you to know, because I don't want to be accused of being dismissive of it, a new woman has come forward, says Herschel Walker also paid for her abortion, took her to the abortion clinic. I am skeptical of this because it's Gloria Allred, who, you know, we went through this with Brett Kavanaugh and the like. Um, I I am deeply suspicious and when Gloria red is involved, so I can say I have talked about it. I am dismissive of it. You know it's there. I don't know that it'll matter. A hill of beans. Notice that they're rushing the story out there after Fetterman's meltdown. It's all designed to distract from John Fetterman's performance last night. So I've given it its due, and now I will move on. When you're ready to hop into a soft, cozy bed, your sheets make a big difference. Bolin and Branch Sheets use only the best 100% organic cotton threads on earth for superior softness. That only gets more luxurious with every wash I know. Because I sleep in Bowling Branch sheets. And let me tell you, you know, they start off like your standard bed sheet, and you're thinking, what's the big deal? Well, wash them. You see the difference. Wash them again. You feel the difference more and more. They get softer over time, and they've got the perfect weight. They've got that weight in the summertime where you feel like substantively there's something on you, but yet you're not sweating to death. And in the wintertime, it's just the perfect snug fit for the Bowling Branch sheets. They focus on thread quality, not quantity, although the quality and the quantity both are fantastic. Now, they got over 25,000. Rave customer reviews made from the highest quality threads you can get. Bowl and Brandt signature sheets come in nine colors, they fit all mattress sizes. You will feel the difference. And again, you got a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns. What do you have to lose? Try them. Keep washing them. They get softer and softer. Go to Boland Branch B-O-L-L-A-N-D-Branch.com. Use promo code ERIC. You'll get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping with the promo code ERIC, my name, at BollandBranch.com. Again, B-O-L-L-A-N-D-Branch.com, the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, Nationwide, the phone number 877-973-7425. I am waiting for Marco Rubio to call in, he's been held up slightly, he is on his way to the phone as quick as he can. I do want to talk about the Florida race, what's happening there, because uh, new data out of Florida shows not just Cuban voters. Now, you got to understand, given the history of the United States and, and Ronald Reagan's uh anti-communist stance cuban voters have long favored the gop and it has transcended generations to a degree such that uh younger americans who are of cuban descent are also pretty pro-republican what's so interesting in florida democrats had long believed the hispanic vote would be democrat except for cubans and what we're seeing from nbc news's poll and now from new polling on a cnn Hispanic voters in Florida are breaking decisively for both Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio on the ballot this year. And there is some fear among Democrats that Republicans could win Miami-Dade outright, uh, which is a pretty big deal. The Miami area, uh, although there's a pro-Republican contingent of Cuban voters there, a lot of people there tend to be Democrat. And the polling is suggesting Rubio and DeSantis both are going to work really do really well with hispanic voters in florida joining me by phone is the man himself the senator from florida marco rubio how are you i'm
0: good how are you doing
1: well i I, i'm good and and i'm even better watching these democrats despair on television looking at your polling coming in from florida i mean i just i I don't understand how democrats look at this year and they go it's going to be a good one for us and then two weeks out suddenly they're already hitting the bottle
0: (laughs) Look, I mean, Florida, obviously, all of that. Look, I, I think we've learned something over the last couple of years. I don't pay attention to these polls. Every election has surprises. I mean, generally, they're gone against Republicans, but let's just assume the worst. So what we need to really see here is turnout. We need to see Republicans turning out. You just see that enthusiasm pronouncing itself. I mean, so far, it's happening. You know, obviously, the Democrats are always going to have an advantage in the vote by mail, but the early vote has started in Florida and most of our counties. And by this Saturday, every county and and then obviously, you know, our part, my party's become increasingly an, uh, an Election Day voter. So we want to see it happen. It's important. that What I worry is somebody's watching the news they're seeing all this stuff, and they're saying to themselves, oh, these guys are going to win. It's, we don't need to turn out. That's not even a competitive race. And you get enough people saying that, and suddenly it's a different race.
1: Yeah, that's that is true. And I, I get a lot of people calling me saying, tamp down the optimism. We got to keep people turning out. Now, I, I want to ask you real quick, uh, switching gears to a very uh, almost hyper local, But there's a ton of national interest here. Uh, given the hurricane and the damage done to Sanibel and, and the Fort Myers area, what's being done to make sure that those people can vote and that they can vote safely and securely?
0: Well, a couple things. The first is the governor issued an executive order. So if you had requested a vote by mail ballot, you can now go in and change the address after the deadline for them to send it to because your home may not exist anymore. So that's one. And the other is they've set up sort of a central early voting location that people can go to, um, which will make it easier for people to, to, to just go to one place, you know, that, that have been displaced, maybe are living halfway across the County, Or what have you maybe they're temporarily living far away from their neighborhood you know i think the concern is always that on election day some of the precincts that were there may not be there now i will say that look houses were destroyed people's lives were upended so for the people who lost their homes uh this is going to be very traumatic for weeks and months to come Um, but uh, you know kids are back in school most of the county in lee county most of these counties are back to work i don't mean to diminish in any way the suffering but, um, you know, there is a, a pocket of people that were impacted by this. And, and obviously, you know, with the last thing on your mind right now is politics. And you're going through all of it. So I think there's been an effort made to the extent possible to make it as easy for them to vote. And, and the good news is, you know, the power's back on. Wherever they are, they're able to see. So the, the communication has happened. I mean, we've still got a couple weeks to go here.
1: Now, you are running against this year the former president. Uh, chief of the Orlando Police Department. I know people are listening right now to us on WDBO in Orlando and Democrats seem like they thought if they put up someone who had been in the police department that uh, they would neutralize the Democrats soft on crime issue and yet we've seen around Florida a number of Democratic prosecutors uh, taking up her campaign, and they are the ones who like to let a lot of people out of prison. And I can tell you from my listeners who call in from Orlando and from uh, WKV in Jacksonville, crime actually is an issue that is resonating with a lot of people in Florida right now.
0: Yeah, with a couple of problems. The first is, yeah, she was a police chief 12 years ago. The problem is that since she became a police chief, she left that. She ran for Congress and lost. Then she ran for mayor and dropped out. Then she ran for Congress and won. And then she tried to be the VP pick uh, for Biden, and it was in that process, you know, of getting when she gets to Congress, one of the first things she does is she signs up for you know this progressive caucus. She signs on to this crazy legislation with all kinds of nutty things in it. But then when the riots start in 2020, instead of saying, "Look, I'm a police officer; it's time to stand up and even take on my party," she didn't. What she did is they asked her, "Well, what do you think about Minneapolis defunding the police?" Her answer was, "Well, I think they're being very thoughtful." She signed on to a bill to get rid of qualified immunity, which basically means, you know, you can now go and just harass police officers by suing them individually. Uh, she took her name off of another bill that she had promoted for many years. And when this stuff happened, she said, oh, we're going to put that on the back burner. It was a, a, a bill that increased penalties for attacking police officers. So that's why today 57 of our 66 elected sheriffs support me. The Police Chiefs Association supports me. All of the police unions in Florida support me. Uh, the International Police Chiefs Association endorses me because it's uh, because it's it's pretty bad to be anti-police. It's really bad when a former police officer turns her back on the men and women that she once served alongside. And they're the ones telling me she's not good for us when we needed her. She wasn't there. So sort of, you know, it hadn't worked out because of her record.
1: Now, I, I want to switch gears with you pretty dramatically from crime to the economy here. But I, I was talking about earlier, and I don't know if you've seen the video yet, Senator, the, uh, the the head of the Saudi oil ministry saying yesterday that countries that they're supposed to keep their strategic reserves for emergencies, some have released it for other reasons, uh, and that things could get painful in the next few months for them. Sounds like he's talking about us and the Biden administration the new york times says tried to cut a secret deal with the saudis to keep gas prices low till after the election one imagine if trump had done that but two it didn't work and i'm a little bit worried that we're about to see oil lines gas lines again like the carter administration
0: yeah i don't like what the saudis are doing and it upsets me but in the end what i'm really angry at is our administration for putting us on that spot what they're basically saying is we will not produce American oil because it's bad for the environment, bad for the climate. We need to put these, that whole industry out of business. But we will beg and buy more Saudi oil because somehow apparently Saudi oil is not bad for the environment. So they've left us in this vulnerable position. And then he's using our strategic oil reserve as a piggy bank, as a political piggy bank for the midterms. This is, this is what he's doing. And, and now it's not just the strategic oil reserves. Now they're talking about heating oil dipping into our strategic reserves of heating oil as well, because some of the companies in the Northeast are beginning to ration, knowing that it's tough. So he places in this very vulnerable position. And, uh, and I blame them 100%. And all of it is driven by this radicalism around climate that I have no problem with doing things that are necessary over the long term, let technology catch up. But to do it so abruptly, you're doing irreparable damage to our economy in the short, mid, long term. And you're damaging people's life right now, right now. People are being hurt by this. So it's complete malfeasance, all of it driven by the radical ideology of a bunch of Marxist misfits and laptop liberals that today have all the power in the Democratic Party.
1: Well, it is remarkable to I me, mean, all these people now saying, if you vote Republican, you're voting for the end of democracy by democratically voting. It seems like historically, whether it's the crisis of the third century or the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, uh, the, the, the German situation, of the 1930s, provoking massive inflation causes turmoil within democracy. And yet Democrats are smugly lecturing Americans, you've got to vote for Democrats to preserve democracy and not vote for your pocketbook issues that the Democrats themselves have provoked including, by the way, I, I'm sure you're getting this because I'm getting it from women who, who call the program. There's still a baby formula shortage in the nation.
0: Yep, yeah, there is. And going back, look, this whole democracy thing is a canard, okay? Uh, the, the threat to democracy canard. Number one, they're the ones that as far back as 2016 were immediately arguing that Donald Trump was illegitimate. I mean, that's a word they constantly use, he's illegitimate. Uh, it's not a real election. It didn't really count, blah, blah, blah. That's the, the other ones that did that, not to mention, you know, Stacey Abrams in Georgia did the same thing in 2018. And Hillary Clinton is now out there saying that 2024 elections are going to be stolen by, by Republicans. So that's number one. So that that that, that, that is number two. You have the absurdity of the spokeswoman for the White House standing there being asked about, we have record turnout in Georgia. And she says, and I don't know how people can do this. I mean, it takes a special kind of shamelessness to say this. She says, well, you can have Record turnout and voter suppression at the same time, both things can be true. No, no, they can't. They're like the direct opposite of each other. Massive historic turnout is a de facto proof that there is no voter suppression effort. Um, and so, but, but but again, I mean, this is from a president and a White House that compared the Georgia election laws to Jim Crow on steroids. That's what he said, Jim Crow on steroids. Just think about how absurd that is. So this is something they come up with uh, as an argument. You know, because what are you going to do? They're going to talk about inflation or gas prices or crime. They want to talk about immigration, 5,000 people a day crossing the border. They don't want to talk about that stuff.
1: Now, let me shift back to you real quick, uh, talking about the border issue in particular. Every voter, and I hate to use the phrase Hispanic because, I mean, you're talking about Venezuelans, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, Hondurans. But generically, we use that, and everyone I know is, is horrified by the situation at the border. Looking at the humanitarian crisis there, the national security crisis there, the polls in Florida show that you and Ron DeSantis are doing remarkably well with non-Cuban Hispanic voters. Uh, can you talk about wh- why suddenly Republicans are making inroads and also a little more about the border situation?
0: Well, the inroads are not because they're Hispanic. They happen to be Hispanic. The inroads are because they're mothers and fathers Uh, We have kids in school. It's because they're small business owners. It's because they're working people who are struggling. And they see this disorder and chaos, which has come from this administration, and they don't like it. They don't want schools indoctrinating kids on weird things. They don't want schools turning boys into girls. They don't want 5,000 people a day illegally crossing the border. They don't want crime surging in all of our cities. They don't want to pay $4 for a tank of regular gas. Uh, they're, They're tired of their grocery bill going up 150%. I mean, and they're being hurt by all this. Um, and, and so they're reacting the way all working class and small business people are reacting in this country. They just happen to be Hispanic. I think in Florida, there's a special flavor to it, and that is we do have a large number of people who fled socialist Marxist governments who know that it is a failure and a disaster and that it's evil, and they're seeing indications. They're seeing some of the things happening here that happen in their countries of birth. And so they're reacting very strongly towards that as well. But I think the disconnect that happens in America today is the Democratic Party is controlled by a bunch of, you know, laptop NPR elitists and Marxist misfits who are completely out of touch with the core of America, and that includes the core of normal, hardworking, everyday Hispanic working class voters.
1: Now, before you get out of here, I've got to ask you the the really important question of the day, I, I say for the end. Uh, the Buffalo Bills look like they might be undefeated, and yet they ran up against the Dolphins, who surprisingly beat them. I mean, what's going on here with the Dolphins this year?
0: Well, what's going on is they started out really hot, and then basically every week for the next four weeks, they got our quarterback knocked out of a game for a variety of reasons, including the whole by yeah. Bailoa thing. Well, we suddenly discover that everybody on Twitter is a concussion expert and can diagnose people from 5, you know, 2,000 the, miles now, away. Just, by just warrant- for
1: perspective, these are the Israeli election experts who became British election experts who are now concussion experts.
0: Yeah, so everybody now is an expert, and so they can see it and say, oh, the doctor's messed up, and this was bad, and this was this, bad, and the other. So, anyway, he's back. You know, they're they, obviously a little rusty, but everybody, look, they got a lot of speed. They're very dynamic on offense. They can score a lot of points. Um, I think they're the fastest team in the NFL by one of those you know. Yeah, metrics. I think they are. Yeah, the metrics that are out there saying that they've got more people than any other team in the NFL. So I think speed is important, and I, I think that ability to score points. Uh, and, you know, Tua is sort of like a point guard. It's like the perfect distributor for that offense. And they've got a young coach who's pretty smart about designing offensive schemes. But it'll get harder. You know, guys will learn about these, their offense. These guys are amazing. The NFL is an amazing place. He's, not only is the talent level very close, you know, the guy you never heard of is almost as good as the guy, you know, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, and that's what the talent level I, I
1: got to say, I, I, I watched that Steelers game the other night, and I just I kept looking at the coach and kept thinking, this, this guy's an NFL coach? But, yeah, he seems like he's got it together. I <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, he's not your typical NFL fuck but he's a very smart guy. Very, very smart. But you know what? The other guys are smart, too. And so what's happening is the weeks go on. It's just like a pitcher in baseball. You now, once they learn a little bit about you and they adjust, you better have a second and a third act. And um, so that'll be the challenge for them down the stretch, but you know, they they got talent, they got speed and you can win a lot of games. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, look, the, who's that Carolina beat the other day that the Packers that they beat? Yeah. Uh, I think so. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, this is a team that just fired their coach. So, I mean, it's a pretty amazing thing to watch how these teams, the parody, you know, on any given Sunday is right. really truer than it's ever been. So we'll see, but it's exciting brand of football to watch and, you know, hopefully we won't get any more quarterbacks knocked out
1: of games the rest of the year. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when I talk to you, i got I got to talk to you about the Dolphins. Um, the, the, my, my dad is the Saints of the Dolphins, try, try to keep him happy. So listen, uh, Marco Rubio, it, it, my best to your wife, by the way, and it's always good to, good to hear from you.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me
1: on. Absolutely. Marco Rubio, the, the current and future senator. For the state of Florida, six points up now in the polling average in Florida. Really uh, doing a great race there. The Democrats thought they could take him, but obviously not. Marco's awesome, and you can tell he loves national football I loves the NFL. Okay, before I get out of here, y'all, uh, one of the great groups that's out there in the country right now that is really focused on the issues and the heartland that you care about, uh, people who care about free markets and free people, you're not willing to abandon the values you've always had because the currents keep changing in American politics. AAP has been rock solid on those issues. I'm now a fellow with uh, the Americans for Prosperity. I want you to check them out. I, they teach you how to be a good activist at the local level to show up at your school board, your city council, your county commission, to talk to legislators, to have the facts, to have the knowledge and the information, to try to push them towards the right on good issues from uh, school reforms to financial reforms. They they know what they're doing, and they got local groups around the country. You can join and get smarter and become a better activist. All you do is go to americansforprosperity.org. americansforprosperity.org. Eric. And join up with them. Find your local group. Uh, volunteer to start one. If you support free people and free markets, there's no better organization at the grassroots level. They're not just a stodgy think tank in D.C. They're around the nation participating, helping people become better activists and command the facts to win the arguments. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Too late, however, to get on. Is not it noticeable? Charlie and Philip and I were commenting on this during commercial break. How much more passionate Marco is about football. Good for him. That's why, actually, one of the reasons I've always liked him, I've, I've known him since 2010, uh, was one of those people who threw himself uh, behind or through, through, I threw myself behind Rubio's race in defiance of the Republicans in Washington. It's McConnell, you will recall in 2010, backed Charlie Crist. Yes, that Charlie Crist. And I helped rally conservatives from my home at Red State at the time. Uh, and when I was on CNN at the time, and Rubio won. And I always thought it was funny when I talked to him going back to 2010. So I've known him now for 12 years. He is always way more passionate about football, always way more passionate about football than he has been about politics. Um, he he does the politics because he thinks he can help the country, but he <laughs> does not. He would, would much prefer to be a commenter. It's kind of like Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice wants to be the NFL commissioner. She loves football, um, really deeply loves football. By the way, I don't know if you saw the Manning cast. The Manning cast is great on ESPN on Monday nights. They have a split channel. One channel is just the game. The other channel is the Mannings having a conversation like you and I might do hanging out on the front porch or something, watching football. They had Barack Obama on the other day. Obama did not exactly sell the Democrats very well, uh, and said, given economic times, uh, there are obviously people who are going to want to change, and it's understandable, and Democrats got to sell themselves better if they want to stop people from doing that. Um, the White House is apparently furious with Barack Obama's comments on the Manning cast uh, from Monday night. Uh, doesn't sound like a real affirmation of Democrats out there for him. They're really mad. All right, guys, I'm going to go play golf. See you all tomorrow.